All right. Um, let's get into it. Uh, we're uh, continuing in our uh, Ephesians study, and we are with that. We are studying uh, the the core values, and we've been going over different values. And we're right now, currently, we're on discipleship. Um, and for discipleship, we decided to look at the book of Ephesians and see what it teaches us about discipleship, uh, what it means to live as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Um, so we're looking at Ephesians, and for today, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. 10 verses, okay? Um, and it's not too bad, so we're going to read this all together again. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Again, okay? Let's read this in one voice together. Ready? Go. As for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you follow the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them and at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following in its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let us pray. God, we thank you so much once again uh, for bringing us, uh, calling us to this place, Lord, to be able to worship you and to receive from you uh, your word. God, and may this word that we're about to receive and, and study and reflect on, God, may, may your word uh, cut through our hearts and transform us, Lord. Help us, to, help us to have greater desire to know you more and to, and to know you more uh, right here today, right now, Lord. Uh, so we give this time to you and we pray all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And so we're looking at Ephesians, and last week I gave you uh, the big picture of the book of Ephesians. And it's divided into two halves, right? First half, chapters 1 through 3, is really talking about God's work in us through the person of Jesus Christ. And the second half, uh, chapters 4 through 6, is our life through Christ in this world. How do we live in this world in response to what God has done through Christ in this world, right? And I asked this question last week. What is the meaning of life? Did, did anyone think about this throughout the week? Probably nobody, right? Okay. Um, what's the, well, yeah, that's good. I hope nobody was like, you know, pulling out their hair, you know, trying to figure out what is the meaning of life. Um, but, you know, it is a question that we all really need to think about and reflect on. And when, whether when we're young or when we're old, we, we sooner or later, you know, we ask this question to ourselves. And, and really, I didn't really answer this question right on, you know, like head on. But I did say that... Uh, what Christians believe and, and what the word tells us is that there is no meaning of life apart from God. For everything comes from God. So there is no meaning of life uh, apart from God. So if you want to seriously consider 
the question, what is the meaning of life, then you have to think about, does God exist? You know, does God exist? Does life have meaning apart from God? And today, we're going to look at chapter 2 of Ephesians, and really the first 10 verses, and uh, we're going to look at what I've uh, realized are three paradoxes in this passage as we continue to ponder on what it means uh, to receive this gospel message. And in this text that we just read in the 10 verses, I've noticed ten, uh, three different paradoxes. And we're just going to go down uh, these verses and we're going to uh, study, uh, talk about what are these paradoxes uh, that we notice here. Um, first, you see here that in chapter, uh, verse 1, as for you, you are, can you read that out, out loud, the yellow part? live right okay let's look at verse 5 down there read that that's the yellow part again go okay so this is what i call gospel paradox number one dead man walking okay anybody ever heard that phrase before dead man walking right um and it, it's basically a convicted criminal who on his you know out of coming out of his prison cell and walking to the the execution side of execution right and and that person is, you know, they, they announce, dead men walking, right? And, and, and this person is, is condemned criminal. And coming out of his prison cell, walking, being led by the, the warden, right? Um, and, and to a site, whatever, however it's going to be done, um, to receive his sentence, uh, capital sentence, right? So a dead man walking. And so when, when you look at um, uh, these verses and you hear, as for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. And verse 5, it says, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. Now think about this. It says we were dead, but obviously we were not dead. I'm, I'm alive. Even when we say dead men walking, I mean, that's a, how do you, think about that. It, it's a person who's alive, living and breathing and walking, but is pronounced dead as he's walking, Right? And here Apostle Paul says, you Gentiles, right, um, and he's talking about, and he, he goes on to say, includes himself and, and the rest of the Jews as well. But he says, you used to be dead in your transgressions, okay, um, uh, sins and sins. And you can use those terms interchangeably. It's, it's not uh, that big of a deal. Uh, you used to live in, in transgressions and sins. So what does this mean when he says you are dead in sins? Because obviously they were alive. Why is he saying that he's, was, uh, they were dead? The, the best uh, way to illustrate this, um, I, for me, I realized, is uh, by using another parable that Jesus tells in the Gospel of Luke. And some of you might already catch on to where I'm going to. Um, but there's a parable that Jesus tells of, um, of a father and two sons. Okay? It's a very well-known parable, and, and uh, it's the parable of the prodigal son, right? It's a, very, a lot of people should be very familiar. In this story, there's a father who is, you know, it just sounds like he's pretty wealthy, right? Um, because he has uh, property and he uh, has large inheritance that he's, he wants to give to his sons, right? And he has the elder son and the younger son, right? And one day the younger son comes to the father and says, Hey, dad, give me all your inheritance so I can go and live my own life, right? Um, I mean, that's pretty much saying, hey, dad, because um, when do we get the inheritance? When do kids normally get the inheritance? Yeah, after your parents die, right? Because it's written in the will, after I die, who gets what, right? 
Okay? So he's basically saying, you know what, Dad? You're only as good as the money that I'm going to get after you die. And I want it now. So basically, you're no good to me. Alive. That's what he's saying. So he goes to his dad and says, Dad, I want that money. And apparently it was a lot of money, right? And the elder son is the responsible one. And he's just kind of, you know, watching all of this, right? And the dad, of course, I, I mean, can you imagine how heartbroken he must have been, right? And so the dad, but, but I, don't, I don't know how, but he, he agrees. He gives him his share of the inheritance. And then the son goes, see ya, you know, and he takes off. And he says he goes to a distant land and, and he just starts living his life, you know, spending it on all these things and, and, and just not really wise with his money, right? Um, and, and, of course, not feeling uh, sorry at all for what he had done against his, his father, his family. And then eventually, I mean, wouldn't when, when you know it? I mean, you know, uh, he spends it all, and he has no money left, and he's starving. And uh, he, he, he goes to this place, and he's in a pigsty. And, and, and because he can't buy food, and he can't earn anything, he has no skills apparently for a job. Um, and so he finds himself in someone's pigsty where pigs are eating, and he wants to eat the food that the pigs are eating. So he's competing for food with other pigs. That's the situation he finds himself in after all these years, right? And then he suddenly realizes, in my father's house, did not our servants have more food than what I'm looking at right now? What am I doing? And he repents. He says, I'm going to go back. And, but you know what? I know what I've done. So I can't even ask him to forgive me. You know, what... what how thick of a scheme do I need to have to, to even ask him to forgive me for what I've done after all that I have done and put him through? So I'm going to go and I'm just going to beg him to hire me as one of his slaves, one of his servants. Because he's so desperate. He's lost everything. So he drags himself he, 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 uh, to, to his home. And, and he's walking towards his home. And, and, and the story goes that Jesus tells the story, you know, um, He's walking home, and can you imagine all the different emotions that's going through his mind? And then he says at that moment, from afar, the father sees the son walking towards uh, the home. And he just, you know, drops everything. He runs to his son. And he embraces him. And he welcomes him home. And he, he, he throws this huge banquet, right? And of course... The eldest son, elder son, is not really happy about this. He sees all this and he's like, hey, what's going on? Why is there such a, all of a sudden party? Why were you killing, you know, why were you slaughtering cows? And like, well, what's going on? You know, and the servant tells, oh, your brother is back. Your brother is back. So the, the dad, you know, uh, your dad, our master, wants to throw this big banquet. He's so happy. He's so happy, you know. And, and the son is like, he's like ticked off, right? He's like, what? Does he not remember what he did? few years ago when he came and said dad i basically you're 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 no good to me alive so give me your money and i'm gonna go did he forget all of this so he goes to his dad and he's like what are you what are you doing what are you doing what are you doing and the dad tells his son you know this my son was dead and is alive again this my son was dead and is now alive again Think about what he's saying there. Was the son actually physically dead? No, he was alive. He was, he was actually too alive. He was living fine, like doing everything that he wanted to do to his heart's, heart's content and, and completely not thinking about his father. 
and all that he had done for him, right? And he turned his back on him, and he went and lived his life in sin and in rebellion against his own father. And when he comes back, his dad said, this my son was dead, but is now alive again. The son had betrayed his father. The son had betrayed his family. The son had said, in my heart, you do not exist. In my heart, you're not my father. You don't tell me what to do. You don't run my life. And you're not my father. I am my Lord. I run my own life. And there's no one above me. And I'm going to do my own thing. But give me the money that you made so I can go spend it. Let me enjoy what you have made for me. But I'm not going to turn and bow to you. And while he was living that life in sin, he was, in fact, all for all practical purposes, was dead to his father by his own choice. And when he returns, the father embraces him. Luke chapter 15, verse 24 says, This my son was dead and is alive again. In our text today, Paul repeatedly reminds us that they were, we were dead once, dead in our transgressions that we used to live. It says, um, when you follow the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. We think we're alive, but the paradox is, is that we are in fact dead. If you don't know God, if you don't have Christ, we are in fact spiritually dead. Ways of this world, following, going after the worldly values, things that the world says, this is priority. This is what's most important. This is what will give you meaning and purpose of your life. When we're going after these things, we are living, in fact, as Paul says, following the ways of this world. And looking out for number one. Number one is who? Self. Yourself, right? And he says, this is, this is, you have to listen to this very carefully. You're not just following the ways of this world, but he says, and of the what? Ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. The enemy of God. The accuser of the brethren. Satan himself. Who is infecting the world. And really, you know, living according to the ways of the world would be fine if there was no God. And we talked about this, right, uh, a little bit. And again, if, if this is something that stumbles you and if this is something that you're curious about, come Wednesdays. Seriously, come out Wednesday. We talk about this, okay. Um, we talk about this. We talk about, uh, you know, uh, why people think, oh, you Christians are so irrational. You know, what kind of uh, superstitious thing is this thing exists? Um, and we, we are literally talking about the fact that our faith is reasonable. In fact, it's more reasonable to have faith than not to have faith. And so these are the type of things we're talking about Wednesday. So please, if you're uh, uh, interested in this, please come out on Wednesday and join us. Okay? But we, on, on this day, right now, here in our community, we are here as disciples of Christ, followers of Christ. And, and we believe that there is a God. We believe that there is God is loving. We believe that this God is one who reaches to us, reaches down to us through uh, his son Jesus Christ. And we believe that there is a God who will judge injustice, who will judge his enemy and bring justice to this broken world. And we talked about the fact a little while ago uh, that, that, you know, this coming judgment is a good thing. 
You look around and there's injustice everywhere. There's sin and rebellion, injustice everywhere. And so for us who place our trust in God, the, the righteous and good and loving judge, judgment is a good thing because he will restore justice. He will make whole what is broken right now. And everyone who denies God and continues in their path of following the worldly ways and giving in to the ruler, the rule of the ruler of the air now, Satan himself, we continue in our path of our own spiritual destruction and will be judged accordingly. And so, in fact, these are dead men walking. And Paul says, you are dead in your transgressions. And second paradox. Can we all read out loud verse 8? Go. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. And this is a very well-known verse as well. Okay, um, For by grace we have been saved okay, uh, through faith. It is a gift of God. Okay, paradox number two. Even a free gift must be received. All right? Even a free gift must be received. We find ourselves in a situation where we're in fact dead people walking. We think we're alive, but we're spiritually completely dead, living in sin and rebellion against God. And well, what do we do about this? Because we're dead. Paul reminds us, that they owe, we owe, the readers of Ephesians owe their salvation entirely to the undeserved favor of God. Okay, it, it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. And here is that paradox, even a free gift must be received. Good news is, in, for people who are walking in spiritual dead, deadness, is that salvation is a gift. We can't earn it. I mean, the, the thing about being dead is that we can't, you know, you're, you're, you're helpless. You know, you can't do anything about the, the fact that you are dead. We cannot save ourselves. And he says, you know, we looked at this last week in Ephesians chapter 1, that all of this, God did this through Christ, through Christ, through Christ, through Christ, by Christ, right? So through Christ who died for us, so that if we believe in him, that we would receive this gift of salvation, right? And while this gift is, in fact, free, that we don't have to do anything to earn this, right? It says here that, what? It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. And again, I'm going to um, talk about another incident in the Bible, this time in the Old Testament to illustrate what Paul's talking about here, okay? What, what is free? It's a gift, but it's through faith. Like, what does that mean? We didn't earn it, but what does that mean? In Numbers chapter 21, verse 4 through 9, um, you know, the Israelites, they came out of Egypt, and they're wandering through the desert, right? And they go through a whole bunch of different things, you know, and they experience God, amazing miracles of God. And, but they're constantly complaining also, right? And it's one of those times um, where the people were complaining and they're just kind of rebelling against God again. And what happens is these, all these venomous snakes every, from everywhere. I don't know, anybody familiar with the story? All these venomous snakes come out from everywhere. They start bite, biting people, right? And because they're venomous, um, uh, people start dying, right? So people are like, uh, they go to Moses and, 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 oh, can you please help us? We're, we're getting bitten by these snakes and we're dying. And, 
and, uh, and they specifically ask Moses to pray for them on their behalf to God, right? And so, so Moses uh, prays, and, and, and what, what is something interesting happens. God tells Moses to make, uh, fashion a snake out of bronze and put it on a tall stick and put it up. And he says, whoever gets bitten by the venomous snake and l- turns and looks at the snake will live. Right? And it says that people, after, if they had gotten bitten, they would look at the snake and they were cured. They were healed of this, right? And I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but I gotta believe, I gotta believe that there were people who heard this, you know, oh, I got bit, I got bit, I'm done, I'm done for. And the neighbor comes, Moses said, if you just look at the bronze snake, you'll live. Like, what are you talking about, you idiot? Suck the poison out of my leg or whatever, you know. Don't tell me to look at some stupid, you know, bronze snake. And that, that they would go on to their own destruction. I got to believe that not, it doesn't say everyone, right? And isn't that, isn't that interesting, right? It's a free gift. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cure that's available. It says, there, here, look at it and you'll be healed, right? And here in our text today, Ephesians says, it is by grace that we have been saved. It's a free gift of grace from God. But it is through faith that we are saved. And unless anyone say, oh, then we are working for our faith. No, it's not earning our faith. It's a response to the truth. It's a response to the gospel message that have been made evident to us. And then we merely respond in faith to his gospel message. This good news that Christ died for my sins and your sins. When we're walking, in fact, as dead people to our own destruction. That Christ came and gave his own life. It's like if I were to tell you there's a story where a dead man walking, you know, this condemned criminal walking. And then on his way, you know, he sees a room and then they say, hey, this guy for whatever reason came and died for your, your crime, you know. And so you're, you're free to go, but what are you talking about? I, I'm, that's, you know, that's whatever. I, I got to go to the electric chair and then I got to receive my sentence. No, no, look, look, it's done, you know. He has to believe, he has to receive that news. But so many of us, we refuse to believe, we refuse to receive. Even seeing the condition that we are in and recognizing the brokenness of the world and own sinful state and need for salvation, we do not, in fact, receive this free gift. And that's the second paradox that I notice in this text. And finally, the third Paradox, And this is something that I really want to kind of spend the rest of our time on today, is this final paradox. Verse 9, read that all together out loud. Ready? Go. By works, so that loud, you can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Okay? Now, because a lot of times, people remember verse 8 and 9, what we just read, right? For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, okay, um, not by works so that no one can boast. And great, everybody's like happy. Woo, you know, we got the free gift of salvation. Great, God is awesome, right? But what does verse 10 say here? And this is the, the, the final paradox. It says, for we're God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, okay, now which God prepared in advance for us to do. The final paradox is that we're saved not by works, but we are saved for works. 
This is very important for us to understand because a lot of times we're all about, church has been so much about um, uh, getting the ticket to heaven and whew, I'm good, I got this ticket and I'm just going to do my own thing now. And then when that time comes, you know, I'm going to get on the platform and get on that train and I'm, woohoo, you know, I'm on my way to heaven, right? Um, but here, uh, once again, uh, verse 10, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. And he's really here referring to uh, once we are renewed and re- re- uh, reborn, you know, uh, born again in Christ, that we are then a new creation, Paul says elsewhere, that we are created in Christ Jesus now to do good works, which God in fact prepared in advance for us to do. Now, so a lot of times, you know, we will, we'll focus on the fact that, oh, this means that we are to prove our salvation, in fact, by our fruit, good works. So if you don't have good works, you're not saved. So you, if you say you're saved, you need to have good works in your life. And this is true, okay, but this is what we usually focus on. But the point I want everyone to see today, okay, while that is true, we need to display good works. If you're growing, if you're a healthy growing person, there has to be signs of growth in your life, Right? Okay, the uh, same thing. So, so, so we, we talk about that a lot. But the point I want everyone to see today is that when you become a new creation in Jesus Christ, that you have, each one of you, have a specific place of role and a task, a purpose in the kingdom of God. And it's the fact that you matter to God. Okay? Every single one of you, every single one of you, you matter to God. Otherwise, he would not have given this gift of salvation through Jesus' death and resurrection. God loves you. Each one of you. He loves you. And you matter to God. Whatever you think about yourself, whatever you have thought about yourself, whatever you think that others think about you, know that you matter to God and that God loves you. So much that, so that don't send Jesus Christ came and in fact when we're dead people walk in he paid the penalty for our sins and he died in our stead redeeming us and through resurrection defeating the power of death defeating the enemy and giving us eternal life. And if you receive that gift, if you say, I believe, then you are in fact a new creation in Jesus Christ. And you matter to God. God loves you. And here's my final point. Matter to the world. That is to say, you matter to your family, you matter to your friends, you matter to your 
the people in your neighborhood matter to this world? What do I mean by this? What did that verse say? That we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. We're not saved by works, okay? It's by the free gift of Jesus. To, but we are then, then created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This means that once we are saved in Christ, once we have been freed of this guilt and, and, and have a new destination, like I said last week, we're no longer headed towards our own destruction, but we have a new destiny, new destination, then we don't then just go and sit on our butts. Okay, well, I'm just going to wait for that time when I get to go there. No, it says no. It starts now. Your eternal life starts now. As soon as you commit your life, Christ, life to Jesus Christ, your life, eternal life starts now. Because now, in fact, you are a new creation that is made to do good works which God prepared in advance for you to do. Meaning now you have a specific part to play in God's kingdom that is here. And coming. Here and now, you have work to do. And what is this good work? Someone said, it's to reflect the image of God in this world. And I think that is spot on. In this world, as we are recreated in Christ Jesus through his work of the cross and the death and resurrection, we now have the work as disciples of Jesus Christ to reflect the image of God in this world. God's holiness, God's justice, God's love, God's mercy, God's grace, God's passion for his creation. And that is the good work that we're called to do here. And, you know, before you think that, oh, that's so abstract. Here, what do you, how do you then go and do this good work, right? If you're married, you are supposed to be doing good work in your marriage. As people who are new creations in Christ, who have been saved by grace, in your married life, as husband and wife, you are to reflect the image of God to your spouse. You're to do good works. You are, and my kids are here, so I'm going to say this very carefully. As a parent, you are to reflect the image of God. And here's the thing. Because so many parents have messed that up for their kids, when their kids grow up, they have a very distorted view of God or they completely turn their backs against God because they think, well, you know, you say God is like my parent, you know. Um, and, and, and my parents were horrible. And so how do you want me to see God as this abusive father that I had? How do you want me to see uh, God as this controlling, manipulative mother I had? You know, or, or maybe flip it, you know. I don't know however it is in your own family, right? Okay. How do you want me to, and, and that's because we have failed. Because we have been, in fact, dead people walking. And we have not accurately reflected the image of God into the world for one another. That's why there is all this brokenness in the world that we have, right? Because we're living in rebellion against God. And so now that we're new creations in Christ, all of you, instead of waiting for that one day, we are now, here and now, to begin that good work to your spouses, to your children, to your parents. You are to do good works in your work, right? We all have different jobs. We all have different careers. We all have different vocational uh, callings. In that field, it's not talking about, you know, 
Bible thumping, you know, your coworkers, you know, and and uh, just kind of being just extra holy, you know, uh, around your work, constantly wearing Christian T-shirts. And no, that's not what he's talking about. Okay, but all the things that I just said, when there are temptations at work, for you to compromise certain things. If you are a new creation in Christ, who have been redeemed, and you now have a new destination. You are no longer under the control of the spirit that rules the air now. For you belong to Jesus Christ now. And at the very least, the things that you used to do shouldn't come as easily to you. The compromises that we used to make so easily shouldn't come as easily to you. When you're compromised, when you're tempted, to join in certain things, even gossiping, right? We're not talking about like big things all the time. You know, hurting someone else's feelings. In church, you're also called to do good works. In church, I'm not thinking about, you know, uh, our church in, in, in particular, but the, one of the biggest problems of, of the Christians of the modern times is that most people, most Christians, think of church as entertainment. Okay? They don't say it, they don't think it necessarily, but that's how they approach. It's like, you know, when you turn on Netflix, you know, you want to be entertained, right? Okay? Um, same thing. When people go to drive, drive and get in their cars and go to church, Really, they want to be entertained, you know. Uh, they want to be entertained with good music. They want to be, a lot of people just want to be entertained with good, uh, uh, a lot of times actually, it's not even uh, important that the message is, is, is talking about Christ or not. They just want to want to hear some good jokes from the pastor. You know, in fact, there are books, um, I'm not knocking on the books because I think it is helpful, but, you know, how um, stand-up comedians, you know, how it's really helpful, stand-up comedy routine, you know, and, and for public speaking, it is helpful. But what, for preachers, you know, it's, I should probably study that, right? But um, uh, for a lot of people, though, they are, in fact, going to church to see a stand-up comedian. They just want to be entertained. Just tell me a few jokes, and if you throw in some, like, chickens for the soul, soul stuff in between, that's great. You know, make me feel a little warm and fuzzy inside. You know, that's great. But is that what your faith is about? Is that what our faith is about? Is that what this is about? It says we're not saved by works. It is a free gift of God because we, it wasn't possible anyway so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And I'm going to give you this challenge today. In our church, what good works do you feel that God is calling you to do? At the very basic level, we're, we're talking about reflecting our image, the image of God to one another, how we treat one another in our church, right? At the very least. But as a church, as a community, pray and ask God what good works. I'm here, Lord, I'm, I'm your new creation in this church, in this community, and, and I'm not just here for free ride. Okay? And this is not talking about working to earn uh, salvation. No, of course not. That's what, not what we're talking. Please don't misunderstand me. But understand that when we are saved, when we have this new identity, that identity comes with responsibility. That identity comes with the fact that we are, in fact, created for good works that Christ uh, in advance prepared for us to do. And in the world, what good works? 
Look at these paradoxes. We were dead people walking. Then understand that even the free gift of salvation, you must open your hands and receive. You must say, I believe. You must receive. And know that though you are not saved by works, you are saved for works. Meaning that you have a part in the kingdom of God that is taking becoming a reality in our hearts and in our families, in our church, in the world, that God is expanding his kingdom. And we're called to reflect his image in this world. And that is the good work that we're called to do. Let us pray. Just real, you know, just, you know, I'm thinking that the, the message hit people differently. Some of you might be uh, resonating more with um, the first paradox. I am a dead man walking. I'm a dead woman walking. And I want you to just dwell on that. And if you don't know Christ and if you don't know your way out of the situation you find yourself in and you realize that you are in fact a sinner in need of salvation I want you to just pray to the Lord pray to God whatever words that come to your mouth Lord save me Some of you, you know all of this, but you haven't received the free gift yet. You haven't responded in faith yet. And I want you to then pray for that. Lord, I want to receive. I want to believe. Show me, Lord. And finally, some of you, that you were dead in your sins that you know that you received this gift in faith you know that you're a believer you know that you're a follower of Christ but you have not realized that you are in fact been called to do good works and now you want to see what that is you want to begin reflecting the image of God by doing good works pray for that. Ask the Lord to show you how 